what is up guys welcome back to the next level experience guys in today's episode i have such a amazing guest and like he is one of my all-time favorite people um, he is like the catalyst to my success as not only a nutrition coach but as a business owner um, this guy has taught me everything that i've known whenever it comes to business and everything that i know whenever it comes to nutrition i owe him so 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 much and without further ado i am happy to announce that today's guest is none other than the jason phillips we're just going to go ahead and dive into the episode because man was this a good one so what's up guys welcome back to the next level experience i have a super and i mean super special guest with me uh this guy was a big influence in my life in 2022 and he's really uh influenced mine and i have to thank him for everything that he's done for me not only as a person but on the business end as well um i have jason phillips jason is the owner of both bci and nci which are both two very successful companies uh jason is also a professional athlete he is a a uh, professional athlete in the golf world, um, one sport that I am terrible at, but at least we have an expert with us today. So hopefully some of his expertise can rub off on me in the golf world. Um, Jason's also very well known within the nutrition field. If you Google the man's name, nutrition is attached to his name. So Jason, welcome. What's going on, man? That's, uh, that's quite the intro. I hope I live up to the hype. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough, man. I think, I've, A, I think I'm just getting old because I think I've done a few things, but I've been around for you know, quite a while. Um, it's, it's funny. I said to my girlfriend this morning, you know, is it was, it's new year's day as we're recording this. And, you know, if I think back a year ago, it's like, wow, like where we were, I wasn't necessarily prepared for all of the things that would come. And, you know, I just shared some stuff offline with you that I went through that nobody really knows. You know, obviously it was a, an up and down year for me. I lost my father, uh, you know, I, I had some amazing life accomplishments. I mean, you know, I moved into like my dream house and, uh, you know, my daughter's growing and, and, you know, it's, uh, you never know what's to come. And, and like, so I, I was kind of in deep reflection today, just thinking back as to like, how many times have I experienced this day in the course of my career? And it's a lot. And each time the constant is, I don't know what lives ahead. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, looking back on it, I'm I'm very I'm very thankful for each and everything that's happened. Whether I perceived it to be good, bad, or indifferent in the time, it's it's all part of the journey. Um, it's it's been a wild ride, but you know, here we are, and, and hopefully, I'll continue to be able to do some things to to help some people. Because really, at the end of the day, man, that's the mission. Oh fuck yeah, man! As you say, impact over over uh, everything, yeah. right? That's it, bro. Absolutely, man. And I, I love that you added towards the, to, towards the end of your little spiel right there that, hey, regardless if it was good or bad or awful, it was part of the journey. And I, I feel like people always expect anytime they start a journey of any kind, if it's within you know losing weight, building muscle, getting ready for a competition, whatever it may be, I often feel like whenever people dive into it, they think it's always going to be a highlight reel. Like it's never going to have any downtimes. And like as business owners, you you know, we can we could quickly talk about the how everything's flashing, how there's a bunch of highlights, but there's also a lot, a lot of lowlights as well. Yeah. Um, not only in business though, but like whenever it comes to fucking losing weight or you know, getting ready for a competition, you it's not always going to be the glitz and the glam of the stage, like I like to say. Oftentimes with bodybuilding and competing, just being a competitor alone, 
there's a lot more lowlights than there are highlights. The process isn't always that pretty. <laughs> well, I mean, A, the story's never good without, you know, a downturn. But, you know, I don't really think a story exists unless there's a start point. And very few people have the start point at on the top of a mountain because it's like, you know, how much higher can you really go? And, you know, I, I say all the time, I really think that, you know, forward movement or movement in general is is a function of pain right the the greater the pain somebody's in the faster they're going to move and i think that you see lots of success and success was usually created off the back of not liking your current situation and whether that's success nutritionally or training or business wise or or other um somewhere in your life you just weren't where you wanted to be now that doesn't mean your life sucked Right. That doesn't mean that you're in poverty. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, super skinny or super weak. It just means that where you were, you were not satisfied. And so when you when you tell the story, there's probably some sort of pain uh, connected to or related to that dissatisfaction. And so it's always relative. You know, I think people could look at my beginning and and say, okay, it was relative. And and there's been downturns in my business career. And I mean, I've been at the game for 18 years. You know, there's always been downturns. And people are like, oh, like I'd kill to have your worst days. Okay, great. Like, but relatively speaking, those are bad days to me. And and I still have to deal with them. And I'm still human and I'm still emotional. And I still have to be able to connect to them and deal with them and right. um, channel them into how I'm going to move forward. And so I think so many people, uh, they forget we only see results, right? And and I think across the board, nutrition-wise, business-wise, person-wise, I think we only see results. And, and part of it's because of assholes like me that market results. And, and so you're constantly having results put in your face. And so what you buy into is this result and, and what you're excited about is this result. And I think that's fantastic. And I think you should, but I also think that nobody's marketing a result on very finite timelines, at least they shouldn't be. And, and I think that humans have a very difficult time delaying gratification and expanding time horizons. And I think as I've grown and I've matured, um, that's one of the best things I've been able to do. And so for me, it's, it's looking at the, um, it's looking at the actions I take, mm -hmm. not having immediate, uh, expectations and then being able to say, okay, I'm just simply going to do this because it's what I want to be doing. I believe it's in line with where I'm trying to go and I'm going to get there at some point. I'll probably have to course correct a hundred times. And and I think that if we if we're able to look at things with that outlook, man, it it changes a lot. It really does. And mm -hmm. and I've I've been very fortunate to spend a lot of time with Alex Hormozzi. Uh, you know, he's created more success than most of us will ever experience. But um, you know, the single greatest thing I've probably picked up for him is his he's very non emotional about outcomes, and he's he's very much like this is what I'm going to do because I believe it to be the truth, and and then I'll just learn and I'll course correct. And I think that's uh if more people could live that way man mm -hmm. and stopped living in the perceived result i think they would be much happier and i think they would actually ironically become more successful oh yeah yeah for sure one one thing i can even attest to is like that's one of the biggest things that i've had to learn you know not only within my journey with weight loss my journey with bodybuilding and now my journey with business you can't have emotion attack attached to these things uh, nope. don't, don't get me wrong. They are emotional journeys. 
all three <laughs> of those journeys that I laid out, they are emotional journeys. Like, like for real, I never felt the stress. Like I thought bodybuilding was a stressful thing. I started running my business full time and I'm like, cool, this is what real stress is. <laughs> and like, you can't detach emotion from it. But if you really want to get fucking good at it, those that are really good at it, they detach their emotion. I like anybody listening to this, go watch the clip of Chris Bumstead before he got on stage for the last Olympia. The dude was doing put everybody, everybody was standing around joking, cutting up, laughing. Chris Bumstead, what was he doing? He was doing incline push-ups on a fold-out chair. Like just zoned in, no emotion. And like a lot of people, like they see that and they're like, man, like this guy's psychotic. Well, yeah, if you're really dedicated to that one thing, whatever that goal is, whatever that you know mission is that you're trying to accomplish, if you are really, and I mean really dedicated to achieving that one thing, you will develop psychotic dedication. <laughs> like for real, psychotic dedication. I, I mean, I think that the the you know it's interesting. I think there has to be I hear the word balance thrown around so much in our industry, right? And I think coaches are talking about balanced diets and then, you know, business people are talking about balance in life. And I've never been one to say that you should seek balance immediately. And, and I've, I've sometimes been called a dick for that, but I, I don't mean that you shouldn't have balance in life. I mean that when you begin a pursuit towards a goal, you have to aggressively get started. I think most people fail in the first month, right? I actually think there's a stat out there on the majority of dieters failing in the first month. And then we know in the business side, the majority of businesses will fail in the first year. Right. And so if if you're not prepared to go in and give it a hundred percent, and in my opinion, do things that are not scalable, right? Yeah. And so, you know, from a nutritional perspective, maybe do things that you're not going to do your whole life, but get over the hump and see progress to get yourself excited and because that excitement will carry over into commitment and the same with the business you know do things yourself and don't have an assistant and don't have a va and don't have all these things that people want to make their life easier like fucking grind mm -hmm. and like and then after a year okay now slow down but you got to get the momentum going because momentum is momentum is the key right and and i'll give you a great example man like when I started, I, I took on 167 clients myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember every guru in the space was like, you're going to get burned out. And I was like, no. And I was like, and even if I do, I don't care because I have like, I have so much willpower that if I'm burned out, I will outwork the burnout. Mm -hmm. And, and I got to a point to where I was like, all right, cool. I can hire people. But nobody that I've ever met has gone to the lengths that I went when I started. And everyone's like, well, how did you scale and how did you become so successful so quickly? Because I just did shit other people didn't want to do. And, and I think that like the top 1% of people you meet, that's what they do. They, they do things that no one else wants to do. You know, my girlfriend and I are sitting on fucking Christmas Day and we're working. And, you know, we're sitting on New Year's Day and we're working. And... No, it's not glamorous. And no, I don't want to do that my whole life. But guess what? I want to do it now. And if if you're a competitor of mine, I want to beat your face in, right? I love you. I want you to win. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not that whole like, you know, egotistical, like I did I dislike my competitors. It's not like that. But I have such a strong drive in me that I want to fucking win. And and I'll do what it takes to win. And I just 
I think the notion of balance is so overrated. Um, and, and I think it's misapplied. Um, you know, I think there's a continuum of balance that should be observed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite um, episodes that Andy Frisella has ever done was where he was talking about balance. And like he legit like goes to town about like how balance is bullshit. Like legit, if you want to be good at something, if you want to be the best, if you like legit want to be known, like you can't have balance. Like balance isn't always going to be there. Sure. Like, is there a season for balance here and there? Of course. Absolutely. Because life comes and goes in waves. But like, if you're legit trying to achieve whatever goal it is, like this is like in any aspect of life, like, as you said, whenever you first start, screw balance. You don't have time to like sit there and, you know, bite off little pieces. Like you got to legit dive head first into this thing. And actually, like as you said, attack it aggressively. And like, I, so I love following Nick Ross because he's always bringing up how old he is. And like, I, so as somebody who is hitting 30, I'm like, cool. I'm just like, I can appreciate that now. But like, every time I see Nick bring his age up, you know, he always follows it up with like, I'm behind. Like, I got to work harder. Like, I got to push harder. Like, I, like, I got to catch up. And I love following Nick because it reminds me all the time, like, hey, there's a fucking 20 year old coach out there somewhere who's already a millionaire. I'm 30. Yeah. I'm behind. We got to catch up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, I, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I like to think I'm ahead of most people at 38, but I don't, I mean, I'm behind where I want to be. And, and the reality is I don't get to, I don't get to slow down because there's people ahead of me. And so they already, they're already ahead. Like they're there. They can maintain and I still have to play catch up. But they're not maintaining. And so not only do I have to match their speed, I need to exceed it if I want to gain ground on them, right? I went to Formula One this year, and it was really, really cool to watch, right? right? Effectively, all the drivers are amazing. They've all got really fast cars. But, like, when you want to gain ground on somebody, if one dude's doing 200 miles an hour, which is absurdly fast, you need to do past 200 miles an hour to gain ground. So not only does your car need to be capable of doing 200, which is absurd, it needs to be capable of going beyond that. And you need to also be able to maintain control mm -hmm. and then do that for a period of time until you catch him. Then you need to pass him. Then you need to maintain something that stays ahead of him. And we don't think about that in life. Like if we want to get to that next level, we have to be doing more than the people that we're chasing. Right. And I promise you, good luck doing more than I am, right? And I've always said that. And and listen, I'm not naive to think that there's someone out there that won't. Of course there is, right? I remember when I sat down with Gary Vee, Gary Vee's like, that's the only thing that keeps me up at night is that there's some crazy motherfucker that's out there that is watching me and is doing more than me. And he's like, it drives me nuts to think about those things. And it's like, that's always how I've been. And you know, I mean, listen, I could go into a million rabbit holes of, of reasons that I have or I haven't done the work and things that have affected that. I mean, it's I think in its purest form, most people can listen to this and they can agree that what we're saying is, is factually correct. The problem is there's also emotional distractions. Right. And so when I look at my early years, I was very emotionally distracted by the power I was given away of the opinions of others. Mm -hmm. Right. And so here it was, I knew I should be doing work. I knew I should be creating. 
And yet I also was worried about what other people thought of me. So that goes into, you know, me thinking about what do they think about my time? What do they think about the way I look? What do they think about the way I act? And, and so I started, I started, you know, pandering to their opinions while also still trying to do what I do, which doesn't work. Right. right. So to be able to do this, it also takes a level of self-awareness, a level of emotional maturity that most people don't even consider when just discussing the notion of simply working. Absolutely. I I mean, absolutely. And like, as you said, you know, there's a lot of emotional barriers whenever it comes to like just even starting. And like my my big question for you is like, why why do you think people hesitate with starting so much? Do you think that they let their emotions get in the way so much that it's just now slowing them down from creating any traction, therefore not being able to create any action or movement? There's so many reasons, honestly. I think that a lot of them, are almost all of them are fear-based, right? And so I think that some people are scared of judgment. So some people are afraid of what others will think if they fail. Um, some people are scared of the fact that they just suck. Um, and, and that they won't do the work. And, you know, it's, it's this crazy thing. Your conscious brain will always give way to your subconscious brain. And, and so you can consciously and logically, you know, build solutions, but if subconsciously, you know, that you're not talented enough to do the work or that you just simply won't do the work, you'll find ways to sabotage those decisions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm very open and honest about the notion that I am a lazy motherfucker. Like for, for all the people in the world that they're like, yo, you work so hard and don't get me wrong. I do. I, by nature, I'm very lazy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I I actually just accepted that, that, and, and that I was willing to outwork it, that I became successful. And so like the first 10 years of my career, I would get to these levels and, you know, 7,000 a month, 8,000 a month, 10,000 a month. And then I would like shit all over myself. And I was like, what, like, why do I keep doing this to myself? Like, why do I keep, you know, not communicating with people? Why do I keep shutting down the business? Why do I keep justifying getting another job? Like I couldn't figure it out. And it's because subconsciously I just didn't want to do the work. And, and my, you know, I knew that what I would default to was not doing the work. And so I wasn't a sociopath enough to take your money and not deliver a result. And I was not in the position where I was going to, you know, consciously load my plate full of work that I just wouldn't do. And and so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't get there. And so finally I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, just tell the truth. Right. And and Garrett White like lives by that statement. And he was one of my mentors. And he was like, you know, sometimes you just have to look in the fucking mirror and tell the truth. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm fucking lazy. I, I like there are things that I just don't like am not open with myself about. And, and I think that really, man, that's what it is, is a lot of people are making decisions that do not truly align with who they are and what they actually want. And so there are overweight people that are totally cool with being overweight. And if that's you and your health status is okay, like more power to you. I, I'm not judging you. That being said, if your health status is fucked, like get your ass healthy, please. Because the important people in your life, they deserve to see you around a little bit longer, right? But if if you're not somebody that wants to be shredded, like stop trying to say you want to be shredded because it's like vogue, right? Like if, if you're not an entrepreneur and you're cool with working in your cubicle and all of your friends are entrepreneurs, like tell them congratulations and that you're cool with being in your cubicle and own that shit, 
right? And so I think that so many people look at these things and it's sexy and it's this desire, but it's not really the desire. And, and I think people just need to get very honest with themselves when they do things will get a little weird at first. Cause you're like, wow, like, am I, am I really okay with just being average? Like dope. Like I know a lot of people that are, my father was like, I love my father dearly. Right. And he was super cool with like $85,000 a year living in their reasonably small house. And just being in a position where he could be home with my mom each night, he was able to get by. They took the vacations when they wanted to. And that he wanted that, like, you know, in our, in his last couple of years, he told me I work too much. And I was like, amazing. Like, I appreciate your opinion, but at the end of the day, you know, that's, uh, I, I really genuinely think that's the foundation of it all. Yeah, man. And like, I mean, fear, fear and emotion. I mean, really, I, I believe that those are the two biggest things. And I mean, fear is an emotion. So really it combines together to be the one biggest thing, if you will. Uh, one thing that I've really noticed is oftentimes like people's emotions really, you know, really shine out when, whenever they feel called out, when, whenever they find themselves in a situation of like, oh, well, is this guy talking about me? And I, I want to bring up a situation that occurred to me on social media the other day on Facebook, I posted, posted a little status, just calling out Peloton, uh, like just behind the notion that doing nothing but cardio will eventually cause you to become skinny fat. And I made that statement, blanket statement, not too much to it. And I got fried in my messengers from people who ride their Peloton. And, you, you know, you start digging a little deep and you find out, yeah, I've been riding for two years. I've been riding for three years. I've been riding for the last 12 months. I've been riding for six months. Cool. Are you seeing any results? Yeah, but dot, 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 dot. Yeah, but dot, 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 dot. So, like, the, the more I talk to people and the more I kind of, I don't want to say rub people's emotions raw, but the more I kind of poke at their emotion a little bit, you know, I've discovered that people are really, A, insecure, and B, they can't get past themselves because uh, oftentimes what, one, of, one of the things that I hear all the time from people, especially in, back in my hometown, oh, this is just how I am. Oh, this is just who I am. And like, as you said, like, if you're average, that's cool. But like, are you okay with being average? Like, is being average keeping you alive? And for like the most part, anytime I meet somebody who is overweight and they flaunt about being overweight, I ask them like, hey, like medical wise, you know, speaking from a health perspective, like, how are you doing? I have high blood pressure. I have diabetes. Like, are you okay with really taking medication for the rest of your life for those things? Now, don't get me wrong. Eventually, we all get really old and we all have issues and we're all going to be medicated one day. But like if you're 30, if you're mid 20s, if you're even 40 and you're having to take like a handful of pills every day to stay alive, like, bro, there's something going on. <laughs> like, like yeah, there's a barrier. So. Yeah, there's a barrier. Um, so like one thing that I love so much about you, dude, is like just your transparency. Like you're just you're a very transparent person. I, I remember the the day I met you in April at Coaching God. And like you you like I've never honestly I've heard of you here and there, but never like knew much about you. Then like mm -hmm. that that day that you shared your story at Coaching Con, I was like, holy shit, this, this guy's a fucking badass. Like this guy <laughs> overcame all these things and, and like eventually got to like the status now. Um 
you know, you have a very unique story and it's one that I think a lot of people need to hear because a lot of people, they, they hear my story of losing 130 pounds. Yeah. They go on Instagram and they see guys like Chase Smith, who's a badass also, and see his success story. But there's also that demographic that doesn't hear the other side. They don't hear, you know, what it's like to be the skinny guy or to be the small guy. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, that's kind of the situation you found yourself in growing up, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I found myself in multiple like skinny guy situations. So A, I was always the I was the skinny fat guy in high school, which was fine because I, I think in high school that doesn't really matter that much. Um, although ironically, like in 2023, it's you know it's different, right? Like it's cool to work out, but um, right. I'm 38, and so in in 02, it wasn't really cool to work out um, like when I was in high school, and so it was fine being the skinny fat guy, except. Um, you know, I, I decided like most uh, high school kids, I had an opportunity to model for Abercrombie and Fitch in 02. And, you know, at the time, dude, I was like every high school kid's wet dream. And so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I'll never forget the modeling recruiter said, you know, send me pictures of your abs. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have abs, bro. Like I was, I was a golfer. I ate, you know, mac and cheese and cheeseburgers and fucking Taco Bell and like, if it was bad for you, like I definitely ate it. And if it was good for you, I, I avoided it like the plague. And, uh, you know, so I, I just, I didn't have it. And so I, I started working out and I started being in the gym and, and, you know, my pediatrician at the time told me to read the magazine articles and read about nutrition because it was all nutrition. And, and so I started watching what I was eating. And, uh, the problem is, you know, exercise culture in O2 was, um, I guess it was similar to how it is today in the sense there was a lot of fear mongering. Um, it was, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And, and it was a long, you know, laundry list of what not to do, right. but very rarely advice as to what you should do. And so I, I operated from a place of what I should not be doing. And so every day I basically lived in fear as to what, you know, improper exercise or recovery or food mm -hmm. would do to me. And, and what that led to was a full blown eating disorder. Um, I actually, you know, I went from the skinny fat kid at 128 pounds to full blown anorexia at 118 pounds. Um, and for context, I'm like five, nine and a half. And so five, nine, a buck, 18, not a real good look. I know, uh, I know a lot of females that outweigh what I weighed at that point that like, whenever I say this publicly, mm -hmm. females are like, oh, fuck, I weigh more than that. And I'm like, exactly. Like, that's how <laughs> small I was. Right. And so it, um, you know, I was two days away from a clinical intervention, you know, my doctor and my parents, and um, it was a low point in my life, man. And, you know, fortunately, fortunately for me, a coach saved my life. Um, you know, as the story goes, when you when you go anorexic, obviously, as you imagine, your hormone levels decline, right? And right. so when, when you're 18, and you have the testosterone levels of an 80 something year old male, um you you're fatigued very easily and very often and so for me the fatigue would kick in every day at like two o'clock and so i used to joke i was like yo like if there's not something for me to lay on at two o'clock i'm just laying on the ground and i'm going to sleep like that was that was that bad right. and so i couldn't hold a job right here i was fresh out of high school i had gotten injured so i was taking the semester off of golf i wasn't going to class and and so i needed to work um, but you know, I, I worked at Best Buy and my first week there, I set their sales record, but then I couldn't show up to afternoon shifts because I was too tired. And then I, you know, I worked as a server and like my very first shift that I think it was Olive Garden, my very first training shift, I was too tired to go in. So I got fired. And like, I literally went through like five of these. And finally the gym I went to, 
um, Gold's Gym was they posted a thing they were hiring for the morning shift, 5 a.m. to 11. And I was like, this is this is perfect. I get to be in the setting, right? The gym setting, which is going to make me lean. And then I get to get to work in the morning when, I'm, when I have energy. And so <laughs> crazy part is, man, all the fuck up, all the jobs I had fucked up gave me horrible referrals, obviously. And, uh, you know, so they almost didn't hire me, but they somehow got hired. And um, one of the trainers took notice as to what I was doing to myself. She would see me not eat like my whole shift. She would see me get off work and do like two hours of cardio. And and so there was this bodybuilder that would come in every day and, and he was getting ready for a show. And um, I remember being like, man, like I want to look like that, like muscle and like shredded. And like, I want to be like that. And he wasn't, he was a natural bodybuilder. So he wasn't like, you know, completely juiced up or anything. And I was just like, yeah, like that's a great look. And so she was, she said, uh, I do his training and nutrition. And I was like, cool. Can you do mine? And, and she was like, yeah, I'd love to. And I kid you not, man, on the spot, she said, uh, I need you to eat 4,000 calories a day. And, you know, to this day, I don't know why, but I put blind trust in this woman, right? Like you and I here, like, could you imagine you or I telling an anorexic today to go eat 4,000 calories? Like, I feel like that's the worst advice known to man. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they would probably look at me sideways and be like, uh, are you sure? Right. <laughs> are you sure you're certified to do this? <laughs> right. Right. So I didn't even question it, man. I just I just was like, fuck it. I'm going to go. And right. um, you know, again, this was O2. There was no uh, my fitness pal or anything like that. So I went to Barnes and Noble. I got a calorie counting book. I wrote out meal yeah. plans every day for the next, you know, three weeks. And I'll, I'll never forget, man, three weeks later, I was opening the gym and I weighed myself and I had gained almost I had gained almost like 18 pounds. And um and I remember looking in the mirror and I was like, wow, I am not fat. I still had abs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this, this food thing is not that bad. Nope. And, and so began the journey of trusting food. Um, here's, here's the part that I don't get, that I don't think gets discussed enough. Um, and I don't get asked this enough. So I've, I've tried to voluntarily, you know, started talking about it. Um, I'm 38 which is 20 years removed from this situation. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't think that I fully recovered. Okay. And, really? and I, I say that because I don't know as though anybody ever fully recovers from an eating disorder. Um, clinically anorexia is, is anorexia nervosa, right? Meaning it's an, it's a nervous system disorder. And so while you can change your habits, I don't think that you rewire the way that your brain thinks. And so I think subconsciously you're, there's still this fear around the way you look and the way you're going to be perceived for how you look. And um, I, I think that I've done a very good job of channeling it positively, but I, I don't think that it's completely gone. And I could give you several real life examples of that, but the, the two that stick out are, you know, there are still foods to this day. Um, well, my girlfriend can tell you two years ago, I hadn't had a chicken finger in 16 years because I identified it as a fat food. And so I could eat pizza, I could eat Chipotle, I could eat, and I could eat pasta, I could eat, you know, cheesecake, but like chicken fingers were a fat food. And so, you know, we went to the Bahamas and, you know, it was, we were drinking. And so she ordered chicken fingers. She's like, fucking eat one. And so I remember I did. And of course I woke up the next day and I wasn't fat overnight. And it's like, cool. now I trust chicken fingers. Right. But so there's like this learning thing. And, 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 you know, the other one is, uh, I love cheesecake from the cheesecake factory, but I can tell you that. Um, I will instantly hold like four pounds of water overnight and it's very visible in my midsection. And so, um, you know, there's just certain foods that I believe will change your cosmetics. It's, you know, whatever the electrolyte balance is, it's, right. and, and we know it's water, we know it's not body fat, but it still plays tricks in the mind. And so 
the fact that I know that so detailed still tells me I haven't fully recovered. Um, but also, man, like I, I think that I was able to go from 118 pounds to at my highest, I was 206 and, you know, 7% body fat. And so I was, uh, you know, doing fitness modeling and things like that. But now I want to play golf at the highest level. Right. And I don't know many golfers that are 5'9", 190. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know many pro golfers that look like I do. And so, you know, the truth is I probably need to get down to like 170. And even then I'll probably still be the first one tested for steroids. And so it's... Uh, the thought of going on stage publicly, you know, the thought of producing media publicly and having my following see me 20 pounds lighter petrifies me because I believe like, and, and I know this not to be true, but it, it needs to be stated because we all have voices inside. There's, there's some thoughts that are made that it's like, well, you know, this is the connection they have. And if Jason goes and he gets smaller, like he's not as impactful or, you know, whatever. And so I build these stories up in my head. And it's like, if you're listening to this right now, you're, you're probably saying like, that's fucking ridiculous, but I want you to pause. And I want you to ask yourself, how many ridiculous stories have you built up in your head right. around the body that you do or don't have the relationships you do or don't have the success you do or don't have. And what you start to realize is all the reasons that you're not where you want to be are likely shit that you have thought up in your head that will never in their wildest dreams be like a fucking reality. But because you have brought them to life, you are currently living them. And it's like when we can shut those down and we can identify truth and we can live in that truth, that's when the game really changes. And, and so for me, on the other side of the transformation I'm going through, I woke up one day and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, you know what? I fucking like what I see. And I like the direction I'm going. And if people don't, like, fuck them. And that was literally, like, where I got to. And and so it's really funny. We're, we're joking because on uh, my daughter did a Santa brunch at our country club. And I went in and, you know, I had a sweater on. And and the, the GM, he's like, oh, you know, you're... He's like, you're losing weight, man. He's like, you're getting a little skinny. And I was like, bro, like, I love you. Like, you have no idea what you're saying right now. Right? And then I swear to God, last night we went to Capitol Grill and and the woman, she, you know, I sit down. She goes, oh, you look good. You lost weight. And I'm like, I'm like, don't fucking say it. I'm like, don't use the S word. And like, you know, it's, uh, you still don't want to hear it, man. But at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm happy. I own the process. And, um, you know, listen, man, if, if for whatever reason, there's less validity around me because of uh, the fact that I intentionally lost some muscle, then uh, I guess I'm not the guy that you should be following. Absolutely. So there's one thing that I do want to, like, dig a little deep into. And, like, this is just, like, the strength coach of me coming out. Um, you, you said that there's not a lot of, like, big and bulky golfers. Like, most of your golfers are smaller guys. Um, can you kind of explain the dynamic behind that? Like, like why why isn't there very – or, excuse me, why, why isn't there, like, a wide variety of body types within golf? I guess that's a better – Yeah, I think it's the moves needed to, that you have to make, you know. Um, I mean, I could actually send you a video when we get off this of, like, a lesson that I just did this last week with my coach down in Florida. And – you know, effectively what you're trying to do is, you know, rotate around a solid base and you're trying to basically, you're trying to push your upper body against your lower body and then unwind it in a slingshot like effect. And 
you know, stacking your, if you, if you picture it this way, right. If you're trying to move your left shoulder to your right hip without mm -hmm. sliding laterally at all, only rotating okay, and then still getting your hands as high as possible in the air, having a lot of muscle does not, is not really conducive to that. Right. And so what you start to see is you start to see a lot of like short swings and you start to see, and, and then the shorter the swing, now it becomes timing based. Mm -hmm. And and that's okay when there's no pressure because you can repeat timing on no pressure, but when right. there's a lot of pressure, all of a sudden your timing changes, your rhythm changes, and that's when you start hitting bad shots. And so um, that's all I can really give you. Uh, yeah. now, that being said, I've also seen the opposite side, man, because I was a strength coach for guys on tour and I used to work with a guy named Jamie Lovemark. And when he came to me, he's one of the best amateurs in the world. He turned pro, he was struggling and I watched him hit golf balls and he would get all the way to the top and it was so loose. And I was like, can you tighten that up? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, just fucking stop your swing. And he's like, I can't. <laughs> and, and so he was hyper mobile. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, this is fun. Let's go fucking do some lat pull downs and like, let's actually build lats. Yes. And like, and all of a sudden, all the, you know, all the trainers, they're like, this guy, what's he doing? Why is he training Jamie like that? Except he would go on in the next year to have the best year of his life. Yep. And it was because we actually finally solidified the top of his backswing where he could actually feel it, right? He could create tension through his lats. Right. And all of a sudden, he was able to feel what the top of his backswing should feel like. And then he could release from there and, and play really well. So that's the best I could give you. I mean, I, I could tell you, I could, again, I could show you videos of myself trying to move into these positions. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it's not very fun. Yeah, no, I, I think playing golf at a professional level is a lot more, uh, <laughs> what's the word I look for, more technical sound than, than just going on the course on a Saturday and having a few beers and whacking the ball around. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit, a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. So, dude, like, your, your story of, like, overcoming anorexia and, like, really jump-starting your journey to, like, where you are now is it, it, very uplifting. But I, I know a lot of people are listening to this going, well, cool, that's great. I'm on the opposite side of the fence. Like, I need to lose weight, not gain weight. But like, it doesn't matter if you're trying to gain weight or if you're trying to lose weight, like it won't happen until you start the process. And, you know, as we talked about, you know, all throughout this episode so far, people, they just have such a hard time starting the process. Um, like what, like what one sentence or statement would you say to somebody who is just struggling to start? My question would be, why are you willing to stay where you're at? Right. Right. So I don't think it's a statement because I think the world is full of statements. And I think that the world is full of trying to tell you what to do. Love that. And, you know, I love the business world and I love the sales and marketing and persuasion world. And I, I tell my team all the time, we can't tell anybody what to do, but we can help them come to the logical conclusion of what they should do. Right. And when it's your own choice, you're far more convicted in it than when it's somebody else's choice. Right. And so I would ask you, why are you okay staying where you're at? And, and then most people are going to say, well, I'm not. That's why I want to change. And I would say, well, I like you, but I'm going to call bullshit because your actions speak otherwise. Right. And so maybe I should ask you why your words and your actions are different. Hmm. And all of a sudden people realize, right, it's this moment because listen, it, it was me. Like it was me. I get it they realize I'm fucking lying and I know exactly what I should be doing to start. And, and right then and there, they either get really uncomfortable 
and they just hide and they go back to their bullshit, like limiting beliefs and self-talk. And, and at that point, you really aren't helpable. But or you're like, wow, like I really I I am like when, you know, I am within control and I do have control. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden things start to change. And, you know, I think for me in the anorexia journey, I um, I'll never forget. I was my family went to the beach, we went to Outer Banks. And every day, you know, I was petrified because I wasn't in my normal routine. I didn't have my normal food. I didn't have my normal gym. And so I'd get up and there was like a town center, like two and a half miles away. And I would run to it and then I would run back. And, you know, then I would like walk to it like later in the day. And, and so, you know, my mom, like everyone was getting like Dairy Queen one day. And my mom's like, what are you going to get? And I, I told her and then last minute, I'm like, no, I can't. And like every time I went to run, I'm like, I don't need to be doing this and every time i went for the second walk i'm like why am i doing this Mm -hmm. and like when it came time to eat ice cream i was like i could probably do this Mm -hmm. except my actions kept showing up differently and so at the end of the day i had to deal with the thoughts in my head which was never that i didn't know what to do it was why do you continue choosing the wrong things and so the question you got to ask yourself is why do you continue making the wrong choices it rarely is it rarely has to do with knowledge I mean, we could look at the the statistics of the world right now from the overweight and obesity standpoint, and we could say, like, to all the people that live in those, you know, stats, like, here's a Big Mac and here's a salad. Which one should you be eating? And 100% of them are going to tell you it's the salad. Except when we take them out of the controlled environment and we put them out into the real world and they are presented with the option of having a burger or having a salad... The majority of them are choosing the burger. Mm-hmm. And so my question is why? That's the question. Yeah. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything I need to tell you. I don't need to tell you to have the salad. You already fucking knew you're supposed to have the salad. You told me you should have the salad. Absolutely. Well, I don't need to tell you anything you don't fucking know. The question is, why aren't you doing it? And there's only two reasons, right? One, you're a liar. I don't think you're a liar. So then the other is that your current situation is not painful enough to facilitate to facilitate movement. Yeah. That's it. Most people are actually mildly comfortable with where they're at. And they perceive the journey to be so uncomfortable that they're like, you know what? My mild discomfort is actually less painful than the journey would be. And so they do what humans do. They avoid the, the more extreme side of discomfort and they stay where they're at. And it's, it's not until the pain gets strong enough that they take action. So either they have a heart attack, they, you know, they go to the doctor and the doctor's like, you're going to fucking die. Mm-hmm. They lose a family member, family members stop talking to them, right? Until something so painful happens. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this. Right. And, and I, you know, it's, it's funny because if you look at all the weight loss journeys that, that have lots of success there was probably a catalyst that sent somebody into that. And, you know, I, I'm from the era of the biggest loser, right? It was a pot, it was a popular TV show as I was coming up. And so I think there's like maybe one or two long-term success stories. The majority of them went right back to where they, you know, right where they started three, four, 500 pounds. And the reality is they never wanted the change in the first place. They wanted the money. Yeah, sure. And, and then they didn't get the money. And so, well, guess what? 
all the fucking pain of exercise. They're like, that's not as fun. Being fat wasn't that bad. So I'm going to just go back to being fat. And it's it, it always comes down to that. Always. You know, business-wise for me. Why over the course of 10 years did I not triple down and build a business? Being broke wasn't that painful. But you know when it was painful? When I couldn't afford a fucking cup of coffee. Yes. Like I got declined for a motherfucking cup of coffee. I was embarrassed out of my mind. Mm -hmm. In that same grocery store trip, I almost couldn't afford Thanksgiving dinner. And so in those moments, I was like, well, being broke really sucks. You should probably stop being okay with mediocrity in the space. Hmm. And you should figure it out. Well, dude, that, like that was the inner dialogue I have with myself. Right. That was the only thing that changed, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But like why why do you think people are so okay with being mediocre now? Like it, it seems like there's like a big uptick now. That everybody's just like making a pact. Hey, like I'm okay with being okay. Are you cool with being okay? Cool. We could be okay together. And then they're recruiting their 10 to 40,000 friends through social media. Let me me ask you this. Do you think that more people are okay with it? Or do you think that we're just more aware of it? Because I look at the generate, I look at like my parents, you know, during COVID, I got to spend a lot of time at my parents and they live in a retirement community, you know, 55 and up. And I just looked around me and I was like, all of you fucking settled. And and I mean, bro, I'm talking a whole community, mm-hmm. thousands of homes. And I'm like, all of you fucking settled. And I would hear the stories. And then they would hear like what I was doing. And they're like, man, I should have done that. And I'm like, yeah, you should have. And and so I, I don't know as though it's any more prevalent today than it's ever been. I just think we're more aware of it. Okay. Um, you know, I, I also think that like now it's just become sexy to, to fucking talk shit or throw shade at, at the people that are doing it. And I don't understand that either. Um, I, I was telling Britt yesterday that, you know, my my own sisters, um, I, I use the word they money shame me. Okay. And, and so whenever they come around my house or they speak about me to other relatives, it's mm-hmm. all well, Jason's rich. He could, you know, he doesn't care. He does this or well, he lives in a big fancy house or he he has this. And it's they speak about the things that I've, you know, achieved negatively. And I'm like, I'm very proud of what I've achieved. I'm I'm extremely proud. You know, I come from a family sure. that doesn't I'm I'm the first person in my family to graduate college. We don't traditionally have nice things. I mm-hmm. um I'm in a position now where, you know, my mother's ready to move to Virginia. Like I'm gonna buy her home. And uh yeah, very, very proud of what I've created. And so but because people aren't willing to do what I did, which was eat shit for 10 years, and because they're not where I am, now they just want to talk shit about it to make them feel better about their their situation. It's like, well, you know, being rich must suck, right? So I'm going to shame being rich, and now I'm okay being poor. And I mean, if that's the attitude you want to take into the world, but, you know, by all means, but I, again, I would, I would question, like, is that the cover of like, what are you saying to yourself when you put your head on the pillow? Because I'd be willing to bet if I snap my fingers and we could trade places, you'd take it. Yeah. And, um, and so it's like, if that's the case, why aren't you asking questions? Because, 
you know, when it comes to my sisters, I try to help their children, you know, like my nieces and nephews, I, I try to give them every opportunity possible. And it's like, you know, how can I invest into a company for you? Like, if you want to start a company, how can I, how can I give you like the initial funding to get it off the ground? How can I give you the, the, the advice that, you know, people in the world pay me thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for like, you're, you happen to have an uncle that's done it. And like, I can help you. And like, you know, and, and so I just, I don't know, man, like I, I guess it's a defense mechanism is probably the best I can describe it. But even that still seems kind of shit. I don't, I don't have any better answer though. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I do like agree with you now thinking back, I, I do think it's just more aware that, you, you know, people are okay with being mediocre because like, especially with social media, as you know, like with the revolution of social media, like you see so many more people you don't know, you see so much more content. And it's just, I, I think, as you, as you said, I think we're just becoming more aware. We're becoming yeah. way more aware of people are okay with being mediocre. And dude, like, I don't know, it just, it blows my mind sometimes that we get shade from family members. And like, I, I know a lot of clients, I have one client right now, actually, she's dealing with that big time because she's like, completely became a badass this year and like completely went through body recomposition and everything. Like she's killing it. And she's like in her mid fifties and everybody is now accusing her of taking things. Everybody's accusing her of like getting surgery and like, it's really upset her. Um, you, you, you know, I, I know her and both our listeners would really appreciate to hear like, what do you have to say within situations like that? You're going through a journey. You're proud of what you built. You're proud of the weight you lost and, now it just seems like everybody around you is like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know if you remember, um, but in 2022, Betty White died. Yep. Yeah. We haven't discussed the fact that Betty White died yet on this podcast. Actually, I'd, I'd be willing to bet you in your last last month of your life, you haven't discussed Betty White dying. No. Right. And Betty White's far more famous than you and I will ever be. And probably the people we're discussing will ever be. Right. Right. Cool. So if people that knew who Betty White were, right, if we knew who she was and everybody in our world put her on a pedestal, and we're not discussing her today, several months after her death. What do you think people are going to do about us? Probably. They're probably going to forget like two weeks later. <laughs> right. And so the, the simple, like morbid truth is that most of the people that have these things are probably going to die around the same time that we are. They're probably not going to attend our funeral they're probably not going to really give a fuck. And even if they do, they're going to forget in a couple of weeks. And so if the notion is we're going to be forgotten that quickly, right? why are we so fucking concerned with what one or two people think? It's a great question. It's a great question. And, and that really is what it comes down to, man. Like I, I can, I can speak openly about this because I think that this was one of my single largest paralyses in my life was I, I openly cared a lot around what, around like what people thought and from the way I dressed to the way I acted, to what I did in my career, to so many things, man, honestly. And it wasn't until I was able to just accept myself and, um, you know, it's a lot of people are like, Oh, it's an act. Like you say fuck all the time. And you do And I'm like, no, like, this is just who I am. And like, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm not going to change. And I don't change for my own mother. I don't change for my siblings. I don't change for 
the community. And, and I think that honestly, I think it's why, I mean, obviously you're part of the NCI community. Um, you know, you're, you understand that like most of the people that come around um, a lot, we're all very similar, right? A, like we're all very driven by impact, but B, like we all have a bit of a chip on our shoulder oh, and, yeah. and we, we all kind of see the world a certain way. And I, I think that's because from a leadership perspective, I, I keep it real. And, and listen, if you don't like me, amazing. There's a lot of other people you can like that are really good in our space. Mm-hmm. And, and if you do like me, like, I'll welcome you with open arms. Okay. And, and so I think that you have to be somewhat polarizing. And, and I think they're, I think people are afraid to take the stand, right? People are afraid to, it's, it's almost blasphemy to be okay with, with somebody saying they don't like you. And I have no issues with that. I don't, I don't take that personally. Like if, if you don't like me, like, okay, like I fantastic. And, and you're, you're a human being, you were born free. Uh, you know, God willing, you're, you're here in the United States, you're born free and um, you, you're welcome to have an opinion. And I think that's what makes our world so great is that we, we all should have opinions and we should all express them and we should stop judging others for having them. Because I, I can tell you this, if we ever get to a point in our world where we strip individuals of their opinions, we're going to live in a very fucking boring place. Oh, yeah. and, and we're going to, we're going to lack all the things that we wish we had. And um, so I just, I hope we never get there, man. And I think that uh, we should continue encouraging just the differences. Same. Dude, that was beautiful, beautiful response. Like for real. Um, Cause at the, as you said, at the end of the day, we're all going to die. You, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to die and eventually we're forgotten about. And sometimes people see that in such a morbid light, but I see it as in more of a stress-free light because of just the fact that, hey, okay, if I fuck up on something, the, that one person that remembers it, I'm going to die, then they'll probably eventually forget about it. And then we all move on. So, like, I just... I. I think that retrospective life is just so much more comforting just because, like I said, of the notion you can make so many mistakes in this lifetime. But guess what? We're all going to die. And like eventually nobody even is going to know who you are. I mean, the the gravity. I mean, I'm trying to think now of like the most catastrophic mistake that I've witnessed in the last year. And I ironically, I can't. Um I mean, I won't even make the joke, but uh, I, I could I could make some that would probably rub people the wrong way. But um, you know, I can't think of of any. And yeah, people in their day to day life are thinking that mistakes they make are so catastrophic and life altering. But the reality is, I mean, if we look at the last year, two years, three years, and we think about like what are the catastrophic events of the world. Mm-hmm. Will they be remembered in a hundred years? And and maybe one will, maybe one, right? And I, I guess you know from our era, COVID will probably be written about because it's an era in human history, right? And but that's no individual's mistake. Um, and and so anybody that feels they made a mistake during that time, it will never be written. About. It will never be discussed. It will never. There will be multiple generations of people, and I promise you, over the course of those generations, it will have been forgotten. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not as alarming as you think it is. It shouldn't affect nearly as many things as you allow it to affect. And 
Um, but at the end of the day, it's all the power that you give it. And so I think for so many people, we things come up. I actually had this conversation with an entrepreneur last week. He he called me and he said, um, I heard you on a podcast and you were talking about going all in and hiring mentors. And he said, do I need to hire a mentor? And I was like, well, well tell me what's going on in your life. And he tells me, and he's got this business and it's doing like, I don't know, 45K a month gross. And he's doing almost 25 a month net. And I said, so you're doing more than 50% margins on a fitness facility. He runs gyms. Okay. I was like, brother, you're winning the game. And and he was like, yeah. He's like, and I'm, I'm growing. And I was like, okay. I'm like, what do you want a mentor for? He's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, I want to keep growing. And I'm well, you said you're growing. Like, yeah, I guess I am. I'm like, can I just be honest with you? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I think you're bored. I said, I, I think you want to break something so that you have something to fix. Yeah. And and I think those people that are type A, like you and I, when when life is going really well, we will fuck it up intentionally. Self-sabotage, yep. Yeah, not even in an effort to sabotage, but because we need to fix. Yeah. <laughs> because that's who we are. We get off on the notion that we can fix things. Yep. And so we're like, well, fuck, it's not broken. Well, let me go fucking break it. Right. And and I think that this all comes to comes back to the notion of time horizons. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, God forbid something goes well for five years at a time. The way that most people think they're like five years, well, that's ultimate success. And I'm like, well, five years, well, that's one cycle of like 10 yep. that I'm looking at over the next 50 years. And and people are like, oh wow, well, that's a long time. And I'm like, yeah. But I really hope I live another 50 years. Right. And and then I hope I keep living more. And and so I got to do something to fill those years. I, I don't want it to be overly stressful. Right. So why don't we just kind of continue on this route? And and so I, I think so many people, they create problems to have something to solve. When, again, you know, I mean, dude, we've experienced it in the fitness world. People are making gains on a program. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need a new program. No, you don't. You need to fucking be patient. <laughs> yes. Like, no, you don't. You need to have less ADD. And and like, oh, I need a new diet. No, you don't. You need to stop being bored. Yeah. And and so again, boredom and and just lack of you know shiny objects. Like it it leads us to do stupid shit. And yeah. listen, man, the beauty is we're all fucking human. Mm-hmm. And and most of us will repeat these patterns several times. And, you know, kind of circling back to something we said earlier in the podcast is it's just an awareness play, man. More than anything, it's just an awareness play. When you can look at these patterns that you're going through and repeatedly going through, and you can become aware that they are happening, you can start understanding that you are the problem. Very rarely is it life or the circumstance of life or another individual in life. It's usually you. Mm -hmm. And when you start realizing that, you're like, wow, all right, well, this is great because now I have opportunity to become better. And right. so when you are the problem, you're also the solution. Holy shit. It just came full circle. And it's all back to the individual at the center of a life, which is the person experiencing the life. Absolutely. And I, I'm glad you added that to the end, because one thing that I always tell people is like, don't ever beat yourself up once you realize, hey, maybe I'm the issue. It's a good thing to be the issue sometimes, because guess what? If you're the issue, you're also the solution. So guess what? You already I know wish more people would realize that, man. Yeah. 
uh, and and like and not be afraid to realize that but i mean fuck it took me 30 years so i get it <laughs> yeah it took me a while as well oh man jason dude thank you so much for your hour like for, for real like this was everything i could ask for and more um you between the, doing the podcast and everything that you did for me uh, in 2022, like you completely just flipped my life around, flipped it on its head. And dude, like life is just projecting upwards from here, getting married this month. So life's good. <laughs> I love to hear that, man. I mean, it's, uh, listen, I, I did very little. I opened up a door and you stepped through and you took all the action and, you know, it's what most people do. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that, I think that most really good, um, high quality leaders, they don't do as much as most people give them credit for. Um, it's the, it's the notion that they can facilitate others to take action. And so I think that I'm most proud of the notion that I was able to get you to take action because I mean, you're a badass and that's all you need to do. So, um, I think that's probably the most humbling thing that you can really hear as somebody that's trying to create influence and, and build impact in the world. And so, um, you know, I think it's important to remember too, everybody has that ability and, and most people do exercise it on a day-to-day basis. And mm-hmm. you know, whether you realize it or not, you know, friends, family, children, they're all watching. And, um, you know, I think when you're the best example you can be for yourself, you, you start becoming a great example to others as well. Okay. And, um, and I think one thing more people should do in 23 mm-hmm. is become more selfish and, uh, you know, become a better person for the person looking back at you in the mirror because when you start treating that person well, you can start treating others well. Um, but when you're not treating yourself well, you're going to have a hard time showing up for other people. Um, and, and I think that most people have a negative connotation around the world selfish. And, and I believe perhaps it's a word a lot more people with. And, um, you know, when you selfishly improve, you can start selflessly delivering. And uh, I think that's the message I want to, to really leave people with. Um, because I know for me, uh, as I've taken time and energy and space to become a better version of me, um, I've been able to change a lot more lives because of it. And so uh, I'm honored, I'm humbled to be asked to to come on a platform that you're doing. And and I'm super thankful for you, uh, you know, putting a platform together to want to change others' lives. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for, for allowing me to to be a small part of that, man. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to plug for either NCI or BCI? Yeah, man. I, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I, if, if you found anything I said to be remotely fascinating and you can get past the word fuck a million times, um, I'd love to, to chat and help you out. You know, so um, my Instagram is at Jason Phillips is nutrition. Um, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is just send me a message there. I do check all my own stuff and I, I do answer everybody that messages me. It might, might not be the same day, but I will message. Um, and, uh, you know, anything I can do, you know, if I can answer questions, if I can give you a discount on your certs. If I can, um, you know, and, you know, lead you the right way. If you're you know, going through any of the shit I've been through and I can be an ear, you know, whatever it is, man, just hit me up. Um, you know, I, I try to be as accessible as I possibly can. And I'd love to, uh, love to give you a little help wherever I can. Awesome, man. Awesome. Jason, once again, thank you so much for joining us, man. Truly my pleasure, brother. Man, what a episode and what's really funny is whenever we were recording this on new year's day i was nervous as hell don't know why like i've hung out with jason before like i've been around jason for the better part of the last year and like been mentored by jason so like jason's not like a unfamiliar figure to me but man just having him on just meant so much to me that 
it was appropriate for me to be nervous. So Jason, if you're listen, listening to this, thank you once again for joining me on the Next Level Experience. Guys, thank you for joining me on the Next Level Experience. If you're looking to take your life to the next level, be sure that you follow both Jason and myself on social media. Check the description for our handles. Also, if you are in need of help, motivation, guidance, support, education, you name it, we got it in the circle. Join our free Facebook group, The Circle, and I guarantee you that you will find some high quality information that will help you transform your life. Guys, thank you once again for joining us on the Next Level Experience. Love you all, and I'm out.